हेलो एवरीवन वेलकम टू दिस एडिशन ऑफ क्लैरिटी चैट पॉडकास्ट आई हैव विद मी विजय सेठी फॉर्मर सीआईओ ऑफ हीरो मोटोकॉप विजय वाज नॉट ओनली द सीआईओ बट आल्सो शोल्डर रिस्पांसिबिलिटी ऑफ एचआर एज वेल एज सस्टेनेबिलिटी हेड्स In today's session he is going to talk about his evolution to a CIO. He'll also share how he multiplies himself to do three leadership roles at the same time. He has some strong views on how to collaborate with business on equal footing and he's also very passionate about calling your partners as partners not vendors. This is the first Clarity Chat podcast and here comes an exciting discussion with Vijay. Welcome Vijay. Thank you Jigdish. Did you know that 83% of technology implementations fail to achieve expected business outcomes? Well, managing technology is incredibly complex. IT covers all processes and everything IT does impacts people in some way. The function is only 3 decades old but changing at the fastest pace. Technology industry is highly profitable with intense marketing. Tech companies have the vast majority of the tech talent, not you. Clarity Chat purpose is rooted in helping you solve IT challenges for business success to help you decode the complexity to help you leverage partners effectively to help you partner with business more effectively to help you manage change better to help you attract talent you get this clarity via experiences of CIOs and business leaders shared informally and candidly over a cup of tea welcome to the clarity chat podcast as you reflect on this dismal rate of it success let's start with your life life story and uh, you know calling out some key uh, incidents or inflection points in your career which you can say they set you up for success what are those incidents or inflection points okay first of all thanks uh, jigdish for inviting me and good afternoon everyone all the listeners uh, who have tuned in and i can see a lot of messages out here uh, see I, actually while you say that i'm in the 17% reality is i'm also one of those guys who was not an it person i started i'm a mechanical engineer did an mba did a post graduation in production engineering and few more courses and so things like that it was not an it it career so i started as a management consultant with TCS and uh, some of the learnings that I had over there which really helped me. So one of the first ones was very, I think I was few days old in the organization and I was talking to one of the senior guys and he said, yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. He said in that typical Hindi, he said, now you're a child, if you want to do it, then you have to do one thing, or do it or do it or do it. So which means that you don't, you can't have ego. And I think uh, as you as you progress in life, that really helps you a lot because then you know that you are not really you you uh, you have grounded. Humility comes in a big way. That that was one big lesson that I had uh, in my life. So as I progressed, uh, so I learned a lot of uh, business knowledge. Being a management consultant, I had, I worked on marketing strategy, supply chain, few other areas. So I got a good ringside view of the entire business. So that really helped me a lot. That you can understand business not from an IT perspective, not from a programming perspective, or net. network perspective but from a business business perspective as to what business value what these guys really want and then i moved on to renbaxi so over there in the business solutions and us working on a business process reengineering project uh, where we were looking at the supply chain and then went into an sap implementation so over there one of the key learnings and which again really helps you is uh, how do you manage large scale projects how do you manage uh, complex teams and how do you manage teams which are across uh, geographies as i moved in uh, renbaxi so i There's a point in time when I was handling uh, IT in so many countries, more 
than 40 odd countries uh, globally. So when you have a very diverse kind of uh, people around business people, so how do you really manage that? That was a big learning. Another thing from IT perspective, which I learned was that since uh, IT is a field that changes very fast, we need to constantly upgrade ourselves. So though I had... Uh, some bit of educational background in terms of MBA, MTech and all those kind of things. But I constantly did a lot other uh, courses. So I did around 15, 20 or maybe more uh, diplomas and certifications in various areas related to IT and business. So which really meant that I was keeping myself uh, abreast with the entire thing. Another thing was, uh, since I came from a consulting background initially, so I could understand both these sides of the table. So this side and that side, that really held a lot as to how you gain uh, a confidence with all the partners. So you need to, one thing to my mind, if I was to just sum up two, three things for viewers as to what will help you in uh, going to that so-called 17% club, which Yagdish said, I think uh, number one, you need to partner with business a lot. You can't be sitting in isolation. And for that, you need to have a good business understanding. And you can't be just running around with your own high egos that just because you are from a technology function and others are not. So if you really leave that thing aside and... Uh, constantly upgrade your own skills also because especially in today's time with AI, ML and so many other things coming and you can't be really working on something which is uh, so many years or so many days uh, old. So you need to keep that in mind at all times and have a good partnership with the business. The last piece would be at the end it's not about IT investment. Remember this, we may say that we are doing all the IT projects, but it is about business value. What business value can you generate out of any IT investment? So I remember way back, we were among the first companies in India to start creating an IT envelope. So here it was, a, I think, 32 or 30 pages document as to what value does IT bring to the table from the investments that you make. So the moment you get into that kind of thing, you suddenly come to the 17%. Yeah, that's that's the really uh, insightful, Vijay, because I know you to be a humble person and I didn't know that, you know, this comes from, you know, way back in the past when somebody said, told you that be humble. So that's like, that's really taking it to heart, actually. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think, I think as I uh, uh, mentioned also that, you know, this is uh, the art you have to learn from the artists. And of course, you know, I have had mentors, you know, from from everywhere i've had mentors uh, you know from the partner side i've had mentors you know from uh, the advisory and expert services and you need to seek them out and uh, you know uh, to, to, to develop yourself because as i said there's not too much of it available scientifically so tell me uh, sir some of your uh, you know maybe a couple of incidents from your mentors you know which really set you up for the success that you got one is, I remember one incident way back, I think maybe late 90s, 99, 2000, around that time. So where uh, many companies were not using video conferencing, okay? And uh, I remember our then CFO and then CEO who had to go for a trip to US or some such place, and maybe business class, first class, that kind of uh, visit. So, and uh, due to certain reasons, they could not. And then one point came that, can we do that same meeting sitting out here? And then we were discussing as to whether video conference uh, really makes sense. So that's where the ROI figure so CFO in five minutes said that my cost of staying over there my boss's cost of staying over there this is less than the cost of your VC equipment why don't you install it next week 
similarly we were at that time uh, implementing sap and uh, we were just discussing as to what would be the roi so his response was really something which changed my own thinking he says do you think when uh, the country builds roads they think of roi or they think of future they think of future he said don't don't talk to me on roi you may be thinking from your perspective as an it person that i have to give roi on sap implementation i am thinking it as road which will take my company to a very different level so moment you really those are the kind of insights that change and when i also remember this particular day and i remember that date also in september 2007 20th of those so the day i joined the uh, hero so i met uh, mr bm munjal for the first time in my life at that time and he said uh, very simple he said if you treat everyone as part of your family they'll treat you as part of you i think those are the kind of mentor things which really get embedded in your uh, life and that change your own thinking at all times that's a that's a powerful one you know treat everybody as part of the family that so much connects with the indian ethos, ethos of vasudev kutumbakam and you know Absolutely. bringing that in management uh, is like uh, can be such powerful and i know you know that kind of leads uh, us very well into the next question uh, which is sir is about you know you have cracked the code on fully exploiting the vendor capability tell us some of your approaches in leveraging your vendors i'm deliberately mentioning that term because i know you hate that <laughs> word So tell, so there's you know, no vendor. Why no you vendor. I generally believe that there's no vendor. All are part. They are partners in your success, and even in your failures, they are partners in your happiness, in your sadness, everything. There's no concept of vendor. The moment you actually make that switch in your own heart and mind, that there's nothing called a vendor. Because why I say that is, at least I have not seen. Let's talk of IT. IT has vendors. Vendors could be hardware, software, consulting, ABC, XYZ, whatever you. You tell me one IT company, one IT manager, one IT CIO who can succeed without them. If you can't succeed without them, that means what are they? They are your extended team. Only difference is their salary is coming from somebody else organization. Though paid via you, though paid via you. So. why don't you really treat them as your extended arm as your partners as your really those guys who can take your own it to a different level and treat them as trustworthy guys so the moment you start thinking from that perspective your equation with them changes so you have a conversation discussions with them which are more strategic rather than getting into haggling that is reduce it by 2 rupees reduce it by 5 paisa 2 paisa whatever 1% whatever it may then the entire equation changes the moment that equation changes the long term thing comes and for that the two or three things uh, if i was to look at one is uh, you need to have empathy you need to really put in put yourself in their shoes because a lot of times people say that yeah there is a quadrant there is a month that kahan tak jayega aayega na mere paas apne aap kam kare so i think that's that entire thing is conceptually wrong because uh, at the end of the day all of us are in business but we also need to have empathy and when we treat them with that respect most of people may or may not treat them respect let me not comment on that but if we treat them with respect they'll treat you back as res- with respect number one and also the amount of maybe you get even better deals than anybody else without even getting into hard negotiations that's one and then what the point that you rightly said uh, jagdish i really like that point where you said that there's a huge amount of talent which is there in uh, that field and there's less talent uh, i don't remember the percentage that you spoke about but there's a less talent in uh, the it corporates and a huge talent in that so why can't we really take that talent and learn from them why can't our teams learn from them so rather than just giving them orders ki ye kar do wo kar do and all those things why can't we really learn from them the moment you do that again that equation entire thing changes 
And one thing that I used to do was, while we learned a lot from them, I also went to them. So I know I have addressed the sales conferences of Airtels of this world, IBMs of this world, the pros, Infosys, a lot of them. I used to go over there, talk to, formally be part of their teams uh, and spend time with them over there so that uh, we can uh, also share our own experiences, learnings, what we feel, how we buy our own mindset. So then the even the quality of proposals and the solutions that came from them really improved a lot. Yeah, in fact, uh, that also reminds me, uh, you know, I having been part of, I think, uh, a Microsoft, uh, you know, sales conference on uh, basically just a freewheeling discussion on what do CIOs look for, you know, when they are buying stuff. You're right, absolutely. I think I think I think those discussions, you know, then you know, breaking those boundaries and then not having that we versus they kind of uh, feeling. I think that's Correct. very important in building partnerships. Yeah. I think uh, you know, you touched on something which is very very close to my heart, and I, I kind of write sometimes about it. Is empathy? You know, the moment you have empathy, a lot of boundaries get broken. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, but I think that's such a. I would say, you know, I identified one of issues, which is the asymmetry of talent. And that's such a beautiful way to, you know, leverage that for your advantage rather than cribbing about it or rather than, you know, sort of feeling limited about it. Correct. That's, I would say that's a great insight, Vijay, personally for me. Now, the next question I would uh, ask you about, Vijay, is, you know, which a lot of us professionals grapple with. And, you know, I've seen this with CIOs itself that, you know, they think that we think that we can do much more, but then, you know, we get mired in all this complexity of, what we have to manage in IT and, and then you know we feel limited so uh, you kept expanding your role you know from CIO you took over another role as uh, CHRO first I thought that you know you're leaving that role and becoming a CHRO then I said then I, then I realized no it is CIO plus CHRO and then you know you became you also took on an additional function of uh, you know chief sustainability officer I think this is like you know what I call as scaling up yourself I think doing a work of three uh, executives that you at a very senior level is not not fun. I'm sure there's a lot of learning for all of us, you know, that you can provide as to how do you scale yourself up. And fundamentally, it is about how do you contribute more to the organization. So tell us some, you know, some practical insights, some hacks that you did, you know, do justice to all these three roles. Okay. So before before I answer, I, I finish my team. Why don't you also finish your duty? <laughs> Just <laughs> Just about on the last tip. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, see, let me just before that, let me put a disclaimer on this entire. I must admit, I was, I am never too good on Buckley Palace. So let's keep that. So it's not that. I'll put that caveat right up front. Whatever I say would be based on whatever I have done rather than a Gyan part of it. So I think uh, one of the key things over here is to succeed in any function, and whether it's one function, two functions, three functions, as well. One of the key things that you need to do is uh, have a very good process orientation. If things are going uh, in an ad hoc fashion, you will not be able to succeed. So maybe my own background with GCS initially, where there's a huge focus on both process and documentation, huge focus that uh, was given over there. That really helped me in putting processes to everything. The second, see, again, you have to remember that whether it is IT, HR, CSR, or finance, or any other function that you might handle, you are not God. You can't handle everything on your own. You have to have a team which is competent, team which is capable, which is motivated to do that. So you need to focus on team a lot in terms of enhancing their competence, enhancing their motivation, and also delegation. So a lot of people don't delegate. And uh, that's what uh, really ensures that those guys have a lot of work. So I remember uh, what I used to do was, and it's a formal thing, anyone can go and check at any time. So at the beginning of each year, 
sign couple of papers digitally or whatever where that these are the areas which have been delegated right up to the eldest guy or this guy or this guy and this is the doer this is a checker this is a doer and only i think out of the entire list not more than 2% would come to me or even less than which would mean that uh, you have to be have effective delegation but with good checks and balances so there there was huge amount of audits internal external so you can and you have your own checks and balances so you need to have that control but along with that delegation is there. so with the team for example in it team i think there was huge focus on even areas like business simulation while in most of the companies it guys will not work on uh, business simulation trainings and like that but to enhance their competence level so there are a lot of things which are done because again if the team is motivated another thing which i have always done is use automation a lot i don't know whether you know this but many people and i can see some of the names uh, over here they know that i hardly hardly ever use a pen i hardly i, I don't do that so and i don't think i have signed very many papers uh, for last many many years so, so everything was digitally signed totally paperless I'm yeah notes, <laughs> i'm so, taking notes so thanks <laughs> sorry i hit the wrong button <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but 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 that's a very important point. That's a very important so point. key key thing over there was huge focus on automation, digital signatures. So even a purchase order to be released would be released from my phone only, and you don't have to sign anything. Automatically, it gets a PDF gets generated. It it is sent to whoever has to be sent to. So moment you start using extensive use of technology, your dependence on an individual goes. So if I go to CSR, every day's work would be put in folders on the shared folder. Moment you put in over there, so if somebody is not there. and not just someone can just go and see as what is done not done and all so that life becomes very easy if you have automation if you have a team which is motivated which is competent you have a huge amount of process reduction and of course the last piece is you have to put in a lot of 12 14 hours a day what do you have to put in all those efforts so you can't be saying that you ask others to work and you say that i'm relaxing so these are some of the things which i did but i guess that's how i succeeded but let me let me ask you an associated question here uh, which which is you know which kind of underlies some of this you know delegation part which is which is trust and i do see uh, you know a problem a lot of times especially with leaders you know who are either micromanagers or who fail to delegate okay or like you know who fail to collaborate i think i think in all these three things very important underlying connection is the trust so how do you how do you build trust and you know how would you let's say if you had a team member okay who had a, that kind of a tendency of you know lacking trust what are the kind of things you would uh, work on him to do for him to develop trust and therefore be able to you know do these things see one, one thing is very clear uh, not all individuals are same so there'll be a lot of people uh, who had that i would say just few. so you have to go to the basic management principle sddb i don't know if you know this or not uh, you know this yeah this sam dam that oh acha that i know yeah. <laughs> so you have to first ensure that you you make that guy understand yeah this is why this is important for him or her to really work work as a team member work as those kind of things and then of course uh, so it's primarily about the change management because one of the key roles over here is uh, of the leader is also about change management and uh, change management doesn't so a lot of it people think that i have to focus on change management because i have to change the users they are not using the system but reality is your change management actually begins within it correct within your own first with yourself and then with your team absolutely and once you start 
start doing that and once you start doing that showing to them that what you say you mean that that's where the trust builds it's a slow process i won't say that it's uh, a very fast process it's not a switch on switch off thing but over a period of time most of people change maybe there could be one of who may not change but then you have to live with those i won't claim that 100% change you have to live with those kind of guys no, absolutely and i think you know um, uh, important thing is that if you know trust begets trust so you trust people and then you know they start developing that trust so absolutely uh, so uh, there was there was a related question from audience let me uh, take it here so so there is one question here from kamlesh which is about you know business and technology alignment is important but how can we make it seamless collaboration there is always conflict so how do you resolve it i think the conflict is why why is the conflict conflict is because if the project succeeds who gets the credit if the project fails who gets the blame there's only conflict nothing else if you really right. bo- uh, boil down the entire thing onto one single line now if you are collaborating and you say that whether it is success or failure it's a joint thing because at the end of the day whether it is it or cia finance or hr they are not spending their own money it's company's money and they are not doing it for themselves they are doing it for the company the company's objectives are paramount so moment it becomes a joint thing your conflict starts So that's all you have. But if you say no, no, it's an IT project. SAP was done, and we did wonderful. No, it was done jointly. If there were no users, you would not have been. Similarly, users can't say that they did it without IT. They would not have been able to. I think uh, that's an important one. So I can I can contribute there to that question. I mean, first thing I must say that you know you captured it so so beautifully. It's all a question of credit versus blame, right? Who gets the credit and who gets the. So I, I saw that problem, you know, when I sort of over a startup motor CIO, and uh, one of the first thing I started telling my team that you know. whenever we are presenting to any business leaders okay. please get a photo of the guy who helped you within that function okay and put it out there on the slide you don't have to talk about it okay and you say that ki listen this project wouldn't have been successful without him or her absolutely great and the moment you do that you know in front of leaders you know suddenly those boundaries melt away and that whole credit versus blame thing like you know it, it becomes like you know then people want to help you because because you will be putting their photo on your presentation yes yeah so uh, um there is another question from uh, jayshree nair she says why is the failure rate being accepted as inevit- inevitable think, so uh, uh, yeah please sir please go ahead i don't think we should accept is accept this as inevitable number one number two we have to define failure what is failure so when uh, say jigdish said 83% projects fail or it does not uh, what does it really mean that it does not deliver to the expectations which it was supposed to deliver so if you say that my this project has failed it doesn't most of the cases it will not be that you have to redo the entire implementation or anything maybe in 1 2 5% you might have to do but failure is that when you started that this will be my roi or this will be my value from the entire project if you are not able to meet the value that is where you have to you say it's not failure now coming to inevitable part i think it depends on the leader if you think that you are taking it as inevitable you will be taking a lot of failures there will be failures irrespective of even in the 17% club and 83% club there will be a lot of failures how you learn from them how you ensure that you really next time don't fail that is the biggest thing which will lead to your success next time that's that's what differentiates between that 83% and 17% how i see you have to learn you if you fail fail fast fail cheap but learn don't repeat the same mistake again and move on and do it much better next time no absolutely i think i fully agree with you uh, vijay sir in fact i learned a process which are actually from the product development people and uh, we brought it very quickly into the it and this was a concept uh, called the tgr tgw now it may si- sound very fancy tgr tgw it's actually very simple things gone right and things gone wrong 
so you know every time you finish a project uh, whether success or failure you know if the team regroup and it starts reflecting Correct. what what went right what went wrong and then you know basically starts imbibing those learnings into the next project uh, you know slowly you will find that 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 inevitability of failure starts uh, reducing yeah wonderful that's a good point <laughs> absolutely so sir uh, now i have it, it's it's so nice to you know see kapil paliwal here and i hope you remember him uh, he yeah, was part of great player for auto dx yes 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 on, yeah yeah so uh, so you know this is the this is something i i mentioned uh, in 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 today's post also that you know there can't be a more stark you know meeting where i think the cio of hero honda sitting in the office of bajaj auto in pune and you know we kind of we 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 sort of realized and uh, you know and and called out the irony of that you know the bajaj and hero and and both were competing for adoption of auto dx <laughs> and we used to measure those numbers you know who's doing better bajaj or hero i think there's a very important uh, point here you know which is about collaborating uh, with competitors and with the industry now i want to sort of point out here that you were chairman of the siam uh you know it committee and uh, you know you drove a lot of collaboration so we and you know we generally get sort of mired into the within the organization complexity and here you know you i and you know uh, rajiv and all of us were trying to uh, do something which was for the industry it took a lot of time uh, but then you know but then i think we did a few things well so i want to hear from you you know like what was the philosophy because i know it was a old project it started somewhere in the 90s and you know and what are like you know some of the takeaways or let me put it this way what are some of the insights you want to leave with the viewers as in terms of how to expand your perspective and you know collaborate with the other industry players and 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 uh, uh, you know and your competitors of course the first thing i still remember you said the first thing uh, in the show which was keep your ego aside but beyond that what are the lessons yeah, i think for those uh, who may not know auto dx auto dx uh, was a first ever industry wide collaboration project in the country of any industry so where we first set up it standards for data exchange and then set up a system which was a cloud based system uh, which was there so as jagdish you rightly said it started somewhere in nine but i remember around 2010 or 2009 or 10 when i took over as the cm chairman so as i met uh, shinwasan and uh, we were discussing this and he said that there were a couple of earlier attempts and this project so we analyzed this so what are the real issues as to why the project the two things which came out very clear one was of course the technology three things one was technology not the second one was uh, that all the people were not coming onto the table together and third one was that the process was not uh, agreed and this, it involved huge amount of change management i'll use that word so we are bringing all the competitors and potential giants and everyone onto one table all of making all of them agree to do something and key thing over there was to remove the fear that if hero is doing something bajaj will not be able to see that data or vice because moment that thing came up and we ensured that the data it's it's about processes it's about the entire industry gaining out of it and at the end of the day customer gaining out of it because if your entire transaction process cost boils down to 70 paise that was the cost at that time per transaction the entire cost of it really comes down and jagdish you remember we had done so many mm-hmm. roi computations uh, and then uh, as we did this i remember 4th of february 2014 when we went live 
on the auto expo one day prior to auto expo when we did that press conference uh, in delhi only and after that it really worked well now then there was this phase where we were just discussing that okay auto dx is there we have taken some 13 14 odd transactions how to take it to a different level and how to now really incorporate new technologies into that was the discussion that we had at bajaj auto park as there as leading that discussion on that day so i remember on the board we were discussing as to these new technologies are coming at that time we were talking of cloud we were talking of iot rpa those kind of technologies and how can we adopt create a digital road transformation roadmap for the indian auto industry that was the starting point and then we did that project over next one two years and created a booklet which was on the digital transformation roadmap for indian auto industry i think again the first time that for an entire industry a digital transformation roadmap now but the key point over here was collaboration collaboration among the competitors because it was about knowledge sharing and why i personally think that it helps is uh, that you can tell as to what the best practices are and how one thing that we need to keep in mind is that whenever you implement any software say sap so we are using sap bajaj auto was using sap various other companies using sap but your competitive advantage doesn't come from in the implementation of a software so there'll be so many organizations so that's where if that thing goes away from your mind then you'll collaborate with them your competitive advantage comes how well or how different are you using and how what are you doing with that software what kind of analytics what kind of processes you have done so so the competitive advantage comes from usage of the software and not the software as such and that's where then you you can actually work with your competitors also and and this word is not about competition it's about cooperation that's all absolutely 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 Hey, I am your podcast host Jagdish Belwal. I had a rich career as CIO at Tata Motors and GE. Now, as an advisor, I help organizations transform with technology. Technology is necessary for digital transformation, but not sufficient. So I help organizations with the rest of it: leadership, strategy, culture, change management, etc. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. For now, keep listening and don't forget to subscribe the podcast and do connect with me on LinkedIn. and i think and i think i i i saw those meetings that you chaired i think an important part again is like you know to be empathetic and listen to everybody's concerns i know there used to be questions which were like you know sometimes somebody didn't attend the last meeting so there'll be a question in the next meeting which has already been addressed but i what i really saw you know uh, and i learned from you actually is how to be very patient and you know sometimes that patient the patient helps you know people feel respected and uh, you know builds that uh, trust which is necessary to take you know this kind of an uh, initiative forward absolutely so i i have run out uh, uh, of my questions and i knew and i kept them short because i knew there will be a lot of uh, questions from the audience so let me let me start from the top you know anil go thanks for attending anil then uh, mr subarao ambuj kamlesh yogesh uh, thank you uh, surya ashish Jayshree, we answered your question, Manish. Hey, Amrinder, good to see you here. You should be hosting the show, man. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> And Sanjay, I, is, I believe Sanjay is an old colleague. Sanjay Sharma, or a pundit. I'm just looking for questions here. Kapil Ramaswamy Subhaya. Uh, Ram Nivas. Ram Nivas is an old colleague from from GE. Hey, Meherar, thanks for. Meherar had a question, if I remember. Meherar had questions somewhere. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Meherar has a questions. I'm coming to that. I'm just like following a rule, looking for questions amongst the highs and hellos. So, uh, Vijay, how is human relations and technology forming close link to success? I think very, very important. Absolutely, Meherar, you're right. At the end of the day, organizations 
are made of human beings and these are the human beings who run technology so if both of them really work together you can have a force multiplier so the productivity of individuals goes up and also the quality of technology implementation goes up and finally the organization really gains a lot out so when hr and it work together it doesn't impact only a particular function or area it impacts the entire organization and all the stakeholders and that's where it really helps a lot yes sir are you done sir yeah ah okay so uh, next i i was actually looking for so divakar uh, mohit harbola old colleague so an absolute delight to see the two giants of indian automotive it on the same platform so morning mohit had uh, sent me uh, you know a couple of questions for you uh, which is okay. on that so i was just looking for it in my mobile so uh, he said that i would like to hear from both of you mistros on how do you see the future of auto retail evolving like mercedes benz india do you see dealers getting sidelined and the oems taking charge of direct customer engagements and the overall sales customer experience is not done he says most oems are working on a end to end online sales journey maruti claims to have solved 24 of 26 steps in the customer buying journey by digitizing these touch points what does it mean for the future of auto retail yeah i i read that So 24 out of 26, and yeah, I do yeah. speak to Rajesh a couple of times, and he does share that this huge amount of work that he's he and his team are doing. So I, I personally, I, I could have a very different opinion on this one. I go back to the base thing that the dealers are nothing but your extended arm. They are your partner, so they can't go away, and they should not go away. You can't really do it with them, and you should not do away with them. There's a huge amount of I'll say value that these dealers bring it. It's not just from a sales perspective, but customer service perspective, your brand advocacy perspective, and ensuring that the products that are there on the road for you really do very well. What most of the auto companies today are doing by digitizing the entire end-to-end process is not trying to eliminate the dealers, but trying to work closely with dealers to ensure that the customer really gains in this entire journey. And we have seen last one and a half years where customers want to do a lot of stuff. electronically so how can both an oem and a dealer really facilitate the entire thing for the benefit of customer that's how i see so to my mind it's not about uh, doing away with the dealers i don't believe in that i i also agree with you since the question was to both of us let me add my two cents to it see we have to look at the entire life cycle the sale is just just one part of it you know this this entire life cycle you know whether you buy a bike or a car or a truck you know i think it has got life cycle of, of a few years and the dealers engage in the entire life cycle you know you have to renew your insurance every year you know you have to get serviced uh, your, your vehicle service with genuine parts and also there's a lot more value they create in the entire ecosystem and uh, as you rightly said we need to treat them as partners and i don't think uh, the the intent is to sideline them the intent is to serve the customer better and remove a lot of value value non value adding activities from the entire process absolutely so uh, again, giving a absolutely absolutely so again acknowledging some uh, some more of our viewers uh, divakar uh, mohit we answered your question kamlesh we answered your question ravindra shipra good to see you here sumit mukbil Yeah, treat employees as family. There was a long one, uh, you know, from Girish Singh Bhandari. I think which, which was a cue to us when Vinay brought it on. <laughs> He says that you know, agree vendors need to be treated as partners, but they need to have some decision making powers as well as partners or strategic partners, which they, which is ideally not the case. So yeah, so how do you? So the question probably is, how do you empower your vendors and how do you basically share some of your decision making with them? the key thing is 
for your own IT, you are accountable and responsible. If you are accountable, you can't you you can't really delegate the decision making. You can always get their insights, inputs, but you can't then tomorrow say that I did this because some vendor told me to do this. So decision making can't be delegated. Accountability is yours. It can't be anybody else's. What you can do is to empower them to give them that information that they give you all possible insights, inputs to give a better decision, a non-biased or unbiased decision. But decision has to be yours. I personally don't think you should delegate the decision making to part. Then you're abdicating your job. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, uh, one of the things uh, I used to do was to challenge my partners to give me ideas. So they may not give you the, you may not give them the decision making, but you yes. must challenge them to bring you the best of ideas. Like, you know, I remember uh, long back, you know, when I signed up the database advanced services from the OEM. At that time, I challenged those guys. The first meeting I challenged those guys, I said, listen, you guys have seen and managed the best of the databases. So I want you to take my database management processes and practices okay, to the best that you have seen. How much time will you take? And they said, so we'll do it in six months. I said, I know the state of my databases. You can't do it in six months, take a year. But one year down the line, I'll hold you accountable to that. Just remember that, uh, that, that, that question. I mean, that incident, yeah. So I think Girish that uh, satisfies. Uh, Saurabh asks, empathy is important, but how have you evaluated team versus partners on capability, intent and perseverance? I think it's more about, if if I understand correctly, it's about the partner selection process. I think uh, when you talk about capability, intent, uh, Saurabh, one thing, again, one has to keep in mind, as I said about the team, you can't really have all partners saying that they are competent. So you have to do your evaluation and there are times when you have to drop the partner. Just because you are calling them partner doesn't mean that you will never actually do away with them. If someone is not performing well, then in the spirit of partnership, also drop that person. So there are a lot of times when we gave somebody an order and then decided that next time this person is not really getting an order because maybe the quality of service was bad or quality of uh, competence coming from the person was bad or whatever it may be. The partnership doesn't mean that you continue to live with that. Correct. So that's where yeah, intent, intent and everything comes in play. I mean, you know, the empathy can play a role to the extent that, you know, you may give them a little bit of a long, longer rope. Uh, you may give them very specific actions for improvement before you fire them, but end of the day, you have to hold them accountable. Correct. Right? So next question, uh, Vijay sir, is from Pawan. You can see it on the screen. It says, yeah. uh, partners extended IT technology companies are more knowledgeable, they may drive you and create dependency. How do you build internal team to manage partner efficiency? I think that's very, very important, uh, Pawan. You need to really, I always used to say at the start of any project, in front of the consultants themselves to my team, that you have to take over from these guys. They can't run your entire system for them. So that's where you have to also enhance the competence of your own team. That's where I said in the beginning that you have to learn from the partner. You cannot really be always dependent on them. So where you need to focus on giving more uh, inputs, insights into your own team, build the capabilities of your team with a very specific purpose that the consultants who are coming in, the partners who are coming in are there for a specific period and telling transparent your partners also because even they then move on to the next level providing even better value to you on some other project. No, absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, here, when, when I had taken over, I had a very over-dependence on partners. In fact, you know, my own people used to get really flooded, you know, with so many, I would say, decision-making from these partners. Then, so one of the consulting consultants told me a very simple thing. He said that, listen, you need to map, you need to have a strategy of two in a box. 
what the two in a box means that you know if you have a if you have a data center team from your partners then you need to map somebody to the data center head in terms of your own side you need to have a data center head so that so that the decision making is very uh, you know i would say targeted so we actually built the team like that we found that which are the major areas where there's a practice or a delivery manager coming from the partner we need to have somebody inside who maps to that and and that's how uh, we built the team so two in a box is a is a, is a is good concept I, i took away that concept with me So you have a compliment from Sanjay Sharma. Never saw a paper on your table ever, sir. Then we move on to other questions. How long you tolerated a team member who's reluctant to change enough? Enjoy, upgrade. I'm as lucky enough. Most of you guys change. Okay, <laughs> that's a short and sweet answer. So yeah, coming the question coming from Mukbil. How much of an innovator can a CIO be? We know a number of technology projects, particularly experimentation with new technology, fail. Is the risk quotient uh, worth it? Mukbil, I think that's a great. question and uh, a very short answer would be yes this risk quotient is worth and i did that uh, for many many years where we would i would have an experimentation budget tell these guys to do anything and everything come up with and of course within a particular boundary limits and both budget and the scope and all those things and some of these projects actually even if out of 10 projects six of them failed through three didn't show that pro- uh, promise that we wanted them but even one single project would give me returns which will maybe 100 times the cost that i would spend on these 10 projects so i genuinely believe that you have to be innovator otherwise you will be a so if i conceptually go so there's a run there's a grow and there's a transform it run is about keeping the lights on if you don't innovate you'll be just keeping the lights on ensuring that your servers are up network is up users are happy email is working and that's all but if you have to transform the organization you have to be innovator and you have to spend money and you have to also encourage your team to be innovative and be ready to accept failures no absolutely and uh, you know this is also sometimes uh, you can look at it from a portfolio point of view that you know when you invest you build a portfolio of let's say 10 stocks you know three of them fail uh, you know three of them deliver like you know 10% returns but you know those three or four of them that deliver like multi bagger returns they are the ones who make money for you so yeah you can you can you can put your bets only on one uh, innovation and you never know in the beginning as to which will be those things. yeah absolutely absolutely so it's uh, and there's another thing you know which with all this digital transformation a concept that's coming and that's being accepted is the fail fast that you know you take some small bets and you fail fast as long as it doesn't sink the company <laughs> people are okay with the failure so uh, which is our next question uh, are cios of late focusing more on industry buzzwords and are just trying to keep up with their peer group good question peer pressure Vivek, so right. So I think it boils down to first basic uh, thing that when you implement anything, are you implementing for the company or are you implementing for your peers or for, for some conferences or for some awards or for some magazines as it used to be earlier? Similarly, are you using these buzzwords to kind of tell people as to what these things are and trying to impress rather than uh, the moment you get into it, you can't really play that game for long. I can tell you, you can't play that for because. having just a superficial knowledge of many of these words doesn't help any it doesn't help you it doesn't help the organization and doesn't help the peers at all and what i have seen and you are right uh, to that extent that lot of people who use these buzzwords today only have superficial knowledge you ask them two more questions about blockchain or about what dark is all about or any such things and then you can see them seeing there and there and they won't know that so but for the first two minutes they'll impress you like anything so i think you need to be very clear that you are doing it to give value back to business and not to impress them. oh thanks i i i think yeah, it's it's also like you know are you enough 
in for a 100 uh, meter run or are you in for a marathon you're in for a marathon then you have to do away with these you know short fixes yeah True. yeah another question coming from ram nivas kushwaha i sometimes it is keen to utilize the practices or application but business functions users running away so like uh, you know you have brought the you have brought the camel to the water but he doesn't want to drink how do you solve that It, it goes back to the same point when you did when you did that did you partner them right up front did you even ask them whether they need it or just because you thought that an rpa is a good technology so let me just go and implement that just because i think that i have to do an iot project because it looks very nice on my or my team cv i did an iot and then these guys never used it did i look at the culture of the organization that yes i'm going ahead with a huge analytics project uh, but the culture is that people would say that okay please bring in uh, two photocopies of the entire uh, report and i'll see only on paper or only on excel please download the report so moment you just look in only in isolation this thing would have but if you are partnering with the business right up front then this situation will never arise maybe you'll never do that project because you feel that this project is not required and if you do it it will be a great success either way yeah yeah absolutely i think uh, there's a long question from ashish he says you're aware that some organizations have excellent legacy systems which serve the business so well and give competitive advantage how do you see how did you see cost products providing same value we have seen some real challenges when organization moved from legacy excellent working systems to cost products and struggled for a long time to achieve it's a good <laughs> insider question i should say absolutely you want to answer this is jigish or should i give my views uh, please sir you start you the you go first and then i'll contribute I bet see I think uh, what Ashish you are saying is yes there are uh, legacy systems and uh, which are doing a good service to the organization but that should not prevent you from upgrading because advantage of cots or the new versions of say for example if you are on a particular version of oracle or sap or any such software the newer versions would also bring in lot of best practices lot of things which are required in today's industry or maybe in tomorrow's industry from a customer perspective or from the organization perspective if you continue to live with legacy while you will not go through that short term pain short term could be 6 months could be 1 year short term doesn't mean a one day or two day or i i know that a lot of companies do struggle for 6 months 8 months uh, to put in a new system but life of an organization is way beyond those 6 8 to my mind you should go in for many of these because they really help a lot they really help if you today work on a system which is a cobol i'm just taking an example maybe it's serving you well but it won't have those functionalities which your customers of today or tomorrow want that's where you need to really ensure that you constantly upgrade each upgrade would be a pain but it's pain worth that's why so i think just to contribute my my two cents to it i think you know we have to look at organization as you know what they call as an entity in perpetuity and therefore you know you can't take any initiatives especially in technology which uh, have a limited life so the moment you uh, i mean uh, so ashish i know where your question is coming from uh, you know so let me uh, give a simple counter in 1995 you know the systems that you were managing you know would they have run even in 2021 so that's a that's a question right and you know would they have not created a bigger technical debt for you so technical debt is a big question you know which basically decelerates your efforts in digital transformation so you have to take a conscious call yes sometimes these are pains these are a pain because you know, they bind you to a certain i would say architectural constraints which are again you know learned from what you may call as best practices you may like or not like it but you know just the fact that you know there's a big organization out there who's going to back it up which is itself going to exist in perpetuity and therefore you know is you're going to use a product which you can assure yourself that you know is going to work in uh, perpetuity for the organization of course you have to keep upgrading i think i think that's the doing justice with your decisions instead of having personal preferences 
I mean, I can say, and Mr. Uh, Sethi, I know you and I had a discussion on the sidelines of Gartner. I think that was one of the first discussions we had. Uh, it was about this only that, you know, we chose Siebel for CRM way back in 2003. And a few years later, you also, we had a discussion. And one of, and I think one of the things I told you is that, like, you know, this is, we want to go for a product, you know, about which we don't have to think it will rega ki nahi It's going to be there tomorrow or not, right? And and I can say that, you know, 2021, 18 years later, yeah, 2003, we went live. From- 18 years later, it's still, 18 years, three or four upgrades later, you know, it is still running and supporting 50,000 users. So uh, let me take some more questions here, sir. I know we are just at the end of the hour. Uh, let me see if there are further questions here. Uh, uh, thanks, Deepak, for the appreciation. Uh, Mr. Subarao Hegde, culture to support experimentation is must. We need to create an exp- experimentation mindset from CEO uh, lead engineers that embraces experiment and continuous learning that fuels the organization. Yeah, that's true. True. Uh, that's true, yeah. So I think we have run out of questions, sir, and we are just at the end of the hour. <laughs> so it was such an insightful one. You know, I learned. So let me quickly, one minute, let me summarize some of my notes, which I was taking. You know, you know have humility, learn all the time, learn business equally. Uh, as much as you learn about technology, uh, you must partner with business, you know, take away that equation of blame versus credit okay, and make it a joint success or joint uh, blame. Uh, it's all about business value okay, and your credibility comes out of when you show the business value. Yeah, treat everyone as a part of extended family, including your vendors. So vendors are not vendors, they are partners. Yeah. So you have to uh, deal with them with empathy, you have to leverage the partner talent and you also have to contribute in terms of you know enabling your partners. Yeah, then, you know, I think good learnings on scaling up your yourself, having a process orientation, building a competent, motivated team, delegating. I really like the fact that, you know, you could delegate 90% of what you are doing and uh, automation never you know, never handle a pen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think I really like that insight about failure. You know, this came in response to the question where how do you define failure? It is the it is the mismatch with expectations. So it starts with the question, you know, do you do you set expectation realistically or do you say that, you know, I'll have magic happen with IT? <laughs> you know, I, you, do you remember the good old days of ERP when we said like, you know, all problems will get solved by ERP? Yeah. It, it will cook and, my breakfast in the morning. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, you know, uh, I think important thing about failures is not to take them for granted, but to learn from them. And, and of course, like so many other insights. So, uh, and thank you everyone for great questions. I was just doing the timing. I think we... We had our discussion for about half an hour and the rest of the half an hour was on questions. So that many questions we... Uh, Imran, I see your question. We're just at the end of it. So, you know, we'll answer in the in response to your comment on the post. But thank you, uh, everyone, so much. I hope you liked uh, this Chai Pe Charcha. <laughs> and, uh, you know... Uh, and, and, and it was useful. Uh, thank you, uh, Vijay sir, for spending your valuable hour with me and with all of our audience, a very engaged audience. Thank you so much. Have a good evening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jigdish. I think thank you for inviting me also. And thanks to all the participants. I'm seeing so many good comments. So thanks to each one of them who's writing all these uh, nice words. Thank you very much. Wow. What a spirited and enthralling discussion with Vijay. I hope you all loved it as much as I did. If yes, please do subscribe to the Clarity Chat podcast. It's available on all major podcasting platforms. In our next podcast, I will host Manish Gupta, the group CIO of Aditya Birla Group. Here is a small trivia. It was Manish who handholded me, a business manager, into the world of IT. He is one of the most wise and strategic IT leaders and a great friend and ex-colleague. Watch out for our next Clarity Chat podcast with Manish Gupta. Till then, bye-bye.